Amanda, remember that time the spare became the heir? Welcome to Remember That Time, an historical podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Webb. And I'm your host, Anna Webb, and this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all their favorite moments in history. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Episode 99. I can't believe it. I know, it's wild. I can't believe it. I can't believe we've been doing this podcast for so long. It was just our, like, podcast birthday, and what was it? Four years. Four years? Yeah. Is that right? That feels bonkers yeah um so yeah here we're still we are. doing it still yeah still going and we're back to the royals today oh yeah yes um but before we get into that would you like a drink update i'd love one i'm having a not a sponsor trader joe's sparkling honey crisp apple juice beverage lovely the most nondescript descript name on the planet. It's really good. Yeah. It's so good. I'm drinking water. Woohoo! Not sponsored water. <laughs> also not sponsored. From the tap. <laughs> All right. Well, should we just get right into it? Yeah, let's dive in. Let's okay, do it. So today we are going to be discussing King George the Sixth. So I think I talked about this on one of our previous episodes when we were talking about what was coming up. Um, I would really like to do an episode about um, Queen Elizabeth II. Um, now that she's gone, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I It's not like I was waiting for her to, <laughs> to pass before doing it. Um, it's but we just, do now have a start and end of the story, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, kind of. So, But before we get into that, I, I really wanted to talk about her father. He's the um, last one in the order to, before we hit her. So yeah, because we, so we talked about her uncle, um, uh, who we're going to touch on a little bit uh, today, obviously. Um, so we wanted to talk about George's life as well. Um, so disclaimer, we're going to switch between names a little bit here. Ah. Uh. Um, because he is not born with his first name being George. Right. So we're going to call him by his given first name up until he becomes the king. So just right. be prepared for that. Yeah. All okay. the same guy at the end of the All day. the same guy. Um, so are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Albert Frederick Arthur George is born December 14th, 1895 at York Cottage on Sandringham Estate in Norfolk. And he is born on the 34th anniversary of Prince Albert, husband to Queen Victoria, of uh-huh. his death. Huh. Which, and then they um, named him Albert. They did, and that was purposeful because um, they were – so Queen Victoria is still on the throne at this time. Queen Victoria is um, Albert's great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he's born, they were, like, a little bit afraid to tell her. Because I don't know if you remember this from our Queen Victoria episode or just from, you know, your own, like, research of Victoria. She, after her husband died, she was, like, in mourning for the rest of her life, basically. And so, like, she acutely aware, like, this is the day that he died. And they were a little like, I don't know how she's going to take this. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. new kid in the family, 
But it's a really sad day. How's she going to take it? So they write her a letter and they're like, hey, he's born. And somebody's like, maybe you should tell her, like, we'd like to name him Albert, if that's okay with you. And and that's kind of how they uh-huh. told her. And she was like, you know what? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. So it was a happy occasion after yeah. all, but they did it on purpose to kind of appease her, I guess, uh-huh. in a way to try to make Queen Victoria feel better yeah. about his life. <laughs> so there we are. There we are. Uh, so we are going to call him Albert up until the time that, like I said, that he, you know, becomes king. And we'll I suppose you could just pick name. one of his four names to call him by. <laughs> well, so Albert is as good as any. We're not going to do that. We're going to call him Albert. Um, his father is Prince George, Duke of York, who will later become King George V, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's the second, uh, his father is the second and oldest surviving son of the Prince and Princess of Wales. So after Queen Victoria goes, we get King Edward, who at the time of Albert's birth is the Prince of Wales. Right. So, and so they're Albert's in the line. Father, they're just yes, a good bit down the line currently. No, not really. Like when he's born. So Victoria's on the throne when he's born. Right. Yeah. And then we have the Prince of Wales, Edward, who is uh-huh. obviously first in line. And then we've got the we've got um, Albert's father, Prince George. He, right. Now, George is the second son, but he's right. the oldest surviving. So he is second in line after the Prince of Wales. Right. And then um, Albert's older brother and then Albert. So, right. you know, he's not that far down the line, really. Right. At the time Ge- I didn't line. mean in terms of um, separation from the throne. I just meant generationally. There oh, are a couple yeah, of people sure. ahead of him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right sure. now. <laughs> Um, Albert's mother is, of course, the Duchess of York, um, Mary of Teck, later Queen Mary. She's mm-hmm. a very important figure in this era. Um, and she is the oldest child and the only daughter of Francis, Duke of Teck, and Mary Adelaide, Duchess of, Ch- of Teck. And Teck is a noble house in Berlin, so it's a German family. Ah. Um, and so Mary of Teck, her... Mother is Queen Victoria's first cousin. So that's oh, so where we are in, in the, the family. <laughs> in the family. And Mary is actually born at Kensington Palace in the same room as Victoria was born huh. in. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So Albert is baptized at St. Mary Magdalene Church in Sandringham on February 17th, 1896. Um, formally, he is His Highness Prince Albert of York. So you will sometimes hear him referred to as Prince Albert of York. Um, but within the family, his nickname is Birdie. We hear yeah. that a lot when we're talking about this particular <laughs> royal is him yes. being called Bertie, Birdie by his family because it's short for Albert. Albert. It's not even, no, no, no. It's not short for. <laughs> it's yeah, it the is. same length. <laughs> No, it's not. Well, I mean, it is lengthwise, but it's like a shortened version. It it absolutely is. That's not the joke I'm making. (laughs) It's his nickname, number of letters wise. Okay, it's a nickname for Albert. Relax. I just nitpicky over here today. I just thought it was funny. I looked at the two, like I looked at them next to each other. I went, "That's not short for anything." Oh my gosh, jeez. So we're going to be, so this is, so this is how it's going to be today? Uh-huh. This yeah, is yeah, those, yeah. The, the, This is the energy. energy. This is the energy. Okay. We're not in the same space anymore. The energy's different. <laughs> it's shifted back. 
So at the time of his birth, like we were just talking about, he is fourth in line for the throne behind okay. his grandfather, father, and his older brother. Um, he does also eventually have a younger sister, Mary, and three younger brothers, Henry, George, and John. God, it's there's so many of them. Yeah, there are a lot of them in there's this family. There's too many royals. Yeah. Too many royals in the palace. I will say, though, we're at this point, um, we're... We're not like losing one of the children every other three to five business days. Which you know is what I mean? Why there's too many of them? <laughs> well, because they I keep mean, they keep having the same number of children that they had before, but they're all significantly healthier well, than they used to be. Six kids. It's not that many. I mean, right, six kids is a lot of kids, but compared yeah, right. to other ones who have six like kids twelve is not that many kids, but six kids all one way or the, another directly in line for the throne like that's how we've had yeah. problems and in there the are that is a different in this family like the way that they're in line for the throne because there are less of them have less of them having a bunch of children at right. this point so it it's is a little weird. bit different yeah um albert is often pretty sick as a child um he's like he's like pretty soft and He's got glass um, bone disease. I just mean like emotionally. Oh, okay. He's pretty soft. He's like prone to crying and kind of throwing fits and stuff. I mean, not like, you know. Full on spo- temper tantrums. Yeah, but he he's emotional. Uh-huh. Um, he has a stammer mm-hmm. that he develops around age eight, which lasts into his adulthood. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, he is born left-handed, but he's before forced to become a righty. This was Aww. very common. This was common for a long time. Did you know that our dad yeah. was born left-handed? Yeah. And he was, um, kind of forced to write righty? Yeah. Um, Not yeah, as aggressively so, as they used to be forced no, to, write, but, to turn righty, but they but everything taught I, him how to be a righty. Everything I read was like, this was very common at the time. And I was like, it was still common up until pretty recently. Oh, yeah. Like my had, generation. Yes. I was going to say, I had some kids in my class the other day and I made a seating chart and they were sitting in a row and one of them went, do you care if we switch seats? Because I'm left handed. Right. And it's like, I just always forget that. There are more left-handed people now because we don't force it out of them anymore. Totally. Like, there were there were less even when I was growing up. Because a lot yeah. of families just went, eh, you should be a righty. And then they just taught them how to be a righty. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit less of that. Like, when I was a kid, I knew several lefties. But, um, yeah, it was really common to yeah. force people to not use their left hand, which is bizarre. <laughs> but mm-hmm. whatever. Um, he also has chronic stomach problems. Um, he's knock-kneed, so he has to wear those painful, like, corrective splints. This poor kid. I know. Was just unwell. I know. And his parents, as was pretty traditional, weren't very involved in their upbringing. Right. Um, and he and his older brother, Edward, are mostly raised by a nanny. Um, the first head nanny that they kind of... I don't know if she was the first, but it's like the one people talk about is there's like rumors that she was kind of abusive toward them, mostly toward Albert. Mm-hmm. She like preferred Edward. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this isn't really we don't really totally know what went on, mm-hmm. um, but that's kind of the general uh, yeah, belief. But you, you also have to think stammers when they develop at yeah. a young age are uh, largely psychological. Absolutely. Um, they are. And so him being kind of outcast by the primary yeah. caregiver is absolutely a reason that could develop. So yeah. wouldn't be surprised. I would and not he's be surprised. also, he's also a very affectionate child and he's very affectionate 
toward both of his parents, but he never gets that in return. His mother's a little bit like, I don't know, just kind of, she doesn't really think that's her job. And her, his father is pretty, um, pretty strict, mm-hmm. uh, and not really interested in like cuddles, you know? Yeah. So do you know what's so funny? I'm sitting here thinking about this family, um, and how, uh, Philip now found himself in a pretty similar situation and turned out to be a very different person than Albert turned out to be. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. He went in a completely different direction with the lack of care <laughs> he received from his father. You know, totally. it's really interesting. This is um, also one of those times where it's like, I, I know the person um, that Albert grows up to be. And it's like, I just like this guy. Like, I just feel bad for this kid. And I yeah. just like this guy. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, this, I, yeah, that tracks. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I mean, listen, he's a royal, right? So right. he's a colonialist at right. the end of the Absolutely. day. But, yeah. but in terms of like his personality mm-hmm. and how he, like you said, how he could have turned out. Yeah. It was certainly um, better than most. Yeah. We spent a lot of time, um in these episodes talking about people that we know a lot about and that we're really interested in who uh, genuinely at the end of the day, we're not good people, Um, but the characters they become through our history are characters that we enjoy. Um, Totally. And this is one where it's like, I know that he was not like technically a good person. Right. But his character, I enjoy like the story of him. I find very interesting. Totally. So that's kind of the gist of like his childhood, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, pretty uneventful when you're the the second royal child like you know the spare fourth technically in, fourth in line for the throne and the likelihood that that fourth will be will become relevant uh-huh. is low because right. by the time edward grows up and has children they then replace him in the line of secession and then he's like yeah, yeah. i'm good theoretically yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. that would yeah. be correct that's the, that's the idea you yeah, grow exactly. up expecting that when you're yeah. in the position that he's in totally yeah so, on January 22nd, 1901, Queen Victoria dies. Mm-hmm. And the Prince of Wales, who, like we said, was Albert's grandfather, takes the throne and becomes Edward VII, which makes Albert third in, in the succession. And he's uh-huh. about six years old when this okay. happens. Okay, so we're going to jump ahead just a little. In 1909, Albert begins attending the Royal Naval College in Osborne, and he's a naval cadet there. Um, He finishes around 1911, and he is at the bottom of his (laughs) class um, when he takes his final exam. But despite that, he progresses to the Royal Naval Academy at Dartmouth. Well, he's got to. You can't tell the third in line for the throne that he's not allowed to go on to the Royal Naval Academy. Yeah, well, also, though, by 1911, he's actually become second in line for the throne because in 1910, his grandfather dies and his father becomes King George V. Now, I find this interesting. Right, so you really can't tell him he's not allowed to move on at that point. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I find this interesting because George V was also the second son and he right. became king because his older brother had passed. Right. So he when he was born was also never really supposed to quote unquote become yeah. king. So yeah. I just find that interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting. Hmm. So Albert serves in the Navy. Um, He starts training around 1913 on the HMS Cumberland in the West Indies and on the East Coast of Canada. Um on September 15th, 1913, he becomes a midshipman aboard the HMS Collingwood. 
And he spends about three months sailing around the Mediterranean, but he has really bad seasickness. And he never really gets over that in his mm. life, but he serves in the Navy for like a little bit here. So Poor it's kind guy. Of a I mean, it's not surprising, right? Like he had chronic stomach issues and all yeah. kinds of other things. Like it's not really surprising he'd have really bad seasickness. It's just like, okay, so then why go into the Navy? I mean, I, I know why, but it yeah. seems a little stupid. <laughs> but anyway. Okay, so he's um, he's in the Navy. And World War I breaks out. Mm-hmm. And about three weeks into the war, he is aboard the Collingwood. And he has to be medically evacuated because he has to go get his appendix removed. Oh, dang. <laughs> so he's out of action for a little while. Um, but he does eventually see action in the war at the Battle of Jutland, um, or possibly Jutland, I'm not sure, in May of 1916. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't see any combat after that, though, because generally his health is not great. Right. Um, he ends up having a duodenal ulcer, which he then has to have removed, or, or sorry, Dang. operated, it has to be operated on, on November, uh, in November of 1917. So he Dang. misses, like, most of the First World War. <laughs> You know what? For the best. Yeah, right? You didn't want to be up in that, buddy. Yeah, but this is an interesting thing that happens, though, during the war. So in February of 1918, he is appointed officer in charge of boys at the Royal Naval Air Services Training Establishment at Cranwell. Mm -hmm. Now, you might be like, what the heck is the Royal Naval (laughs) Air Service? Great question. It's basically... Where the Royal Air Force had its beginnings. Right. There um, pulled out wasn't, of the Navy. There wasn't technology for an Air Force to exist at the start of World War One, but right. there was at the end of World War One. Yes, so exactly. they started developing Air and Air Force, so they just used the Navy as the base to develop the Air Force. Exactly. So the Royal Air the, Force This is the period of history that I teach yeah. now. So it's like <laughs> yeah. I got all the fun facts for you. Yeah. So the Royal Air Force is established during World War One, like we just said, and Albert is is trans transferred there from the navy better for him yes he eventually serves as officer commanding number four squadron of the boys wing at cranwell and he does that until august of 1918 um and he trains um and takes command of a squadron on the cadet wing and he becomes the first member of the british royal family to be a certified um, certified as a fully qualified pilot. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Okay, so the war is done. We're not focusing too much on World War One here, because it war again is <laughs> over. That's not where I expected you to go, but I loved it. I don't know why. We're in the Christmas season now, yeah, baby. That's why. <laughs> You're right. That's what it is. I love that. There's a little tiny Christmas tree behind you. I've yeah. seen that. That was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So World War One is over. That again, like I said, like that's kind of all we're going to talk about with that war because World War Two is more relevant to his life. Frankly. Absolutely. And you know this. That was kind of that. This was the extent of his involvement. <laughs> yeah. You know he was sick, he was for sick a lot the whole time <laughs> for most of it. Yeah. So in October of 1919. He goes to attend Trinity College, Cambridge. Um, He studies history, economics, and civics. And he is there for about a year. And we're going to talk about why he didn't finish. You know, we're going to get to that right Mm -hmm. here. So around this time, he 
he starts taking an interest in the already married Australian socialite Lady Loughborough. Mm. Now you might think that is a massive scandal <laughs> for the royal family. And it, it is. Mm. But at, around this time, like he had a little bit more freedom in his romantic life because he's not supposed to become king. Right. And you know, this particular relationship ultimately isn't going to work out, obviously. And, but, you know, he, he did have a little more exploratory, you know, People were options. less stressed about what he was doing in general. Right. He was, if he didn't get serious about these people, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Right. right. Um, so, but here's the thing, like, he really likes this woman. And he can't marry her. First of all, she's already married. And even if she weren't, he can't marry her. Because if she gets divorced, then he can't marry yeah. her. Yeah. Um, so the king at the time kind of persuades him to in that relationship by saying, like, mm, I'll make you the Duke of York. What do you think about that? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, okay. That sounds good. So, <laughs> bye. Mm, you wanna, do you want to be the Duke of York? <laughs> so... So on June 4th, 1920, he gets that title, Duke of York, as well as Earl of, I hate, I have a hard time with this, Iverness. I always have a hard time with that word. And Baron Killarney. Um, Kristen Killarney. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Oh, no. We've gone full Christmas. I'm so sorry. It's what I've been listening to. Yeah, me too. The only music I've been listening to for the last three-ish weeks are Noah Khan's new album and yeah. Christmas music. I'm so my totally brain is broken in a very particular way right now. <laughs> I am totally with you. Apologies. I have my windows open because it's really warm today with all my Christmas decorations Same. up. It's great. Yeah. Anyway, so he becomes the Duke of York and then he starts taking on some more royal duties, which is why he stops going to school. He doesn't really have time for uh, it anymore. He starts to become very busy being yeah. a royal, which exactly. is not a job, but it is. Well, it is and it isn't. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like being an influencer. Not that <laughs> being an influencer isn't a job. Th- this is what I'm saying, right? Like it's a job, but it's like it's a job influencers it's a job that other people like don't do they don't do it yeah only certain people do it right it's like i don't know how to describe what i'm trying to say but accurate though (laughs) like the lesser royals or the original influencers and that sucks (laughs) yeah right that's so funny oh no well, in that role, he starts representing his his father on taking a bunch of different tours. And where mm-hmm. he mainly tours are the coal mines, factories, and rail yards. Yes. And he gets the nickname um, the Industrial Prince because he prince goes to – Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pro-union prince right there. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll pop back on that in just mm-hmm. a second. Um, he is very shy. Uh, like I said, he has a stammer, so he doesn't really like speaking in public, but he's going on all these tours and he has to. So, you know, there's a little bit of a public perception starting up that like maybe he's a little not fit to be speaking in public because he's not as confident as his brother. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's oh, just something to keep in mind. Yeah. Um, he is an avid tennis player and he actually plays at Wimbledon in the men's wow. doubles um, with Louis, or possibly Louis, I don't know how they say it, uh, Greg in 1926. He loses in the first round, but that's still cool. Wow. 
and we're going to kind of touch a little bit on the tennis thing again um, a little bit later. So just wanted to toss it in here. It's like mm-hmm. a little, hmm, it's going to come back. Um, and he's, he gets really interested in working conditions in the country, like you kind of said before. Mm-hmm. Um, and he eventually becomes the president of the Industrial Welfare Society. Yeah. So that's kind of his, you know, how. It's the Union Prince. Yeah, you know how royals always have, like, their cause, uh-huh. right? This was kind of his. I him. love that for him. Yeah. I like this dude. Yeah. He also um, hosts a series of annual summer camps between 1921 and 1939 for for young boys, and it brings together kids from, like, different social backgrounds. Oh. So you got some of the richer kids and some of the kids from, like, the industrial families uh-huh. would kind of come together and they do these camps, which is huh. kind of cool. Um, also in 1920, Albert meets Lady Elizabeth Bowes Lyon, or Leon. I, everything I found pronounced it Lyon, but that seems wrong to me no, but that's, because I, I studied French. But I've, and in Bose French, Lyon is how I've heard yeah, it. Yeah, I know. But in French, it's Leon, so it, like, throws yeah. me off. Anyway, um, so they actually knew each other, like, in their childhood because their families were friends or knew each other. But they hadn't really met as adults yet. So mm-hmm. they meet for the first time, like, for realsies um, in 1920. Um, Lady Elizabeth is the daughter of the Earl and Countess of Strathmore. Um, and he really likes her. He wants to marry her. He doesn't want anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, also when they re-meet, he's... A, about 25 at this time, and she's probably around, like, 20, right? That's so, not bad! I know, right? Oh, my God! <laughs> They're grown. This is my favorite dude we've talked about so far, because right. that is so reasonable. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I'll take it. <laughs> so Albert wants to marry Lady Elizabeth. Um, she actually rejects his proposals twice <laughs> oh in 1921 God. and in 1922 because she didn't really want to make the sacrifices that would be required of her to become a royal. She knew that, that would be tough. Valid. Um, but she does, you know, they have a good relationship. She wants to marry him. So she does accept and they are married on April 26th of 1923 at Westminster Abbey. And this is kind of a break from tradition because she is not royal. She's noble, Mm -hmm. but she's not royal. And he's a prince. Mm -hmm. And up to this point, it was not very common still for people to not marry other royals. But frankly, they're starting to run out of other eligible exactly. royals. Exactly. And so we're the in the nobles start to make more sense. As and we we're go in a time here. now where it's like you should people know now like you should really stop marrying your cousins, right? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> even less options at that point. Yeah, well, and just lots of countries don't have royals anymore, so the pool just keeps getting smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. So, nope, they're going to have to start settling for nobles, frankly. But it's, you know, it's seen as this, like, modern thing. um, Because it's different from the tradition. Very modern to still marry a very rich person. Oh, wow. Wow, so brave. So progressive. So brave. Okay, so December 1924 through about April 1925, the couple who are now the Duke and Duchess of York um, take some tours, as royals do. They go to Kenya, Uganda, um, the Sudan. Um, They do partake in some big game hunting on Uh this trip, which is a big freaking bummer. I mean, listen. This is this is that whole like ultimately it's still yeah. not a good person kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not a thing good people do. Right. 
Um, but I will say, if that's his one flaw, not the worst it could be. Well, it's not his one flaw, Amanda, because yeah, he know. is still a, an imperialist, colonialist. But <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit more about the Stammer now. So Albert Let's get into Stammer. The speech. Yes, totally. He's this. We're actually going to talk exactly about the King's Speech at great some film. point. We're great not quite. Film. Not the film, the actual speech. I know. We're but not quite great to the actual speech yet, but we're going to get there. Um, so on October 31st, 1925, he gives a speech at the British Empire Exhibition at Wembley. And it is painful. It is a struggle for him and the audience. He can't really get through it. His, his stammer is really impeding him. Mm-hmm. And his wife, the Duchess, sees how much... This is a struggle for him. She is very empathetic to this. And by the way, they've spent by this point a lot of time really kind of bonding just the two of them. And they have like a strong, you know, marriage. Mm -hmm. And so she sees her husband is struggling and she's like, she decides I have to do something about this. So she finds the uh, Australian speech therapist, Lionel Logue. He's living in London. He's very, um, he... He's well known. I don't know that I would say he's really well respected because a lot of people think his methods are a little bit like, whoa, you're a little getting a little too crazy, my guy. But, um, you know, he's good at what he does. So she hires him. And this is the plot of the King's Speech, right? Mm-hmm. The film with uh, Colin Firth. It's a right? great movie. Colin Firth? Yeah. Yes, and Helena is. Bonham Carter. Um, yeah. And, and um, what's his name? Plays the speech therapist. Yeah. He's really good, too. Um, <laughs> Oh, God, hold I on. Of his pause, name. pause, pause. <laughs> I see his face. Jeffrey Rush. His... Yes, thank you. I was like, I see his face in character. I can... yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, great film. Great flick. We great watched flick. it on a we watched it on a plane once. I on remember. our way to Florida. Yes, yeah. we did. It's a great flick. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, they work on some breathing techniques and some different speech techniques. Like, most famously, the one where you put on headphones and play music so you can't hear yourself. Mm-hmm. That was like Lionel's thing, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um and the his wife Elizabeth helps him a lot with this. She practices with him, um, and he starts to really improve. Um, so he's able to open the new Parliament House in Canberra, Australia, um, during a tour of the Empire with Elizabeth in 1927. Um, and on this tour, so this is why I was sprinkled on the tennis thing earlier because this Mm -hmm. is separate from the speech thing but it's like an interesting fact so while they are touring through like australia new zealand and fiji they go through jamaica Mm -hmm. um and while he's there albert plays doubles tennis partnered with a black man bertrand clark um and this is like a very big gesture it's supposed like locally they kind of see it as this display of like equality between right. black folks and and white folks yeah. which ultimately it's like okay but he's still you know like a royal white man who's colonizing but whatever right. um but it's in- an interesting fact yeah very much so okay so that's the that's king speech a little bit of it yeah mm-hmm. so in 1926 the duke and duchess have their first child Elizabeth, yeah, who there of she course is. will later become Eliz- Queen Elizabeth II. Mm-hmm. Um, and then their second child, Margaret, Princess Margaret, is born in 1930. Oh, Margaret. The family lives at 145 Piccadilly. So they don't live in like a royal residence. They don't live in a castle. They're like in a 
house, a normal huh. house. Um, which is really going to, I think, have a little bit more of a significance when we talk about Elizabeth. Like, I didn't put a lot in here about that family life because I think we're going to talk about it when we talk about Elizabeth because yeah. it's a little more relevant to her. But I will say, it seems like um, Albert was pretty determined to give them, like, a loving family life. Like, he wanted to he be... Because he didn't get that. And that's yeah. all he wanted when he was a kid. I mean, they had nannies and tutors, of course. Right. But, you know, their mother, the Duchess, was a little bit more involved. Mm-hmm. And um, he was a little as involved as he could be, really. Mm-hmm. Well, I say could be. <laughs> he could have right. been more involved. But, you know, as With involved... More involved than yeah. many others, right? Yeah. Um. So, anyway... Okay, and then on January 20th of go. 1936, King George V, Albert's father, dies. Right. And Albert's older brother, Edward, takes the throne as King Edward VIII. Oh, boy. Now, we did a whole episode on Edward. We sure did. So if you want to learn more about, like, the the whole, like, the abdication and the downfall and all that stuff, like, list, please listen to that episode. We're going to gloss over a lot of it here because we've already talked about it. Yeah. Um, but and the details are, like, crazy. <laughs> I do think it's important to re-mention this because we yeah. talked about this in that episode. Um, King George V, before he dies, has a lot of concerns about Edward mm-hmm. taking the throne. And he says, I included this quote before, and I'm going to say it again. He says, after I am dead, the boy will ruin himself in 12 months. I pray God that my eldest son will never marry and that nothing will come between Bertie and Lilibet and the throne. And Bertie, of course, is Albert and Lilibet is Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Um, that also I find interesting. Sorry, just Wild. quick tangent on Lilibet. They called her that because that's how she pronounced her name when uh-huh. she was little. Isn't that so cute? It's anyway, so cute. Lilibet yeah. is like the cutest little. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Anyway, so that's wild. It didn't look good. Yeah, <laughs> already. He knew. He knew. Uh huh. He knew before he went exactly what was going to happen, and yep. he was right. Yep. So King George is dead. Uh, King George the Fifth is dead. Edward the Eighth is now on the throne. Um, kind they of. hold. Yeah, they hold the vigil of the princes, which is like a pretty standard practice. Um, and during that, Albert and his three brothers, um take shifts standing guard over their father's body while it lays in state in a closed casket in Westminster Hall. Um, Okay, so Edward has no children when he takes the throne, so Albert is now the heir presumptive to his older brother. Right. Which is, like, kind of, at this point, unlikely that he would have made it here. Like Because Edward is not, like, a teen. should have been married (laughs) by now. Well, yeah, or close to being married by now. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. But he's not. Um, So, like I said, we're not going to go deep into Edward's, you know, situation in this episode because we've done that already. But suffice it to say, less than a year after taking the throne on December 11th, 1936, Edward VIII abdicates because he wants to marry the American socialite and divorcee wallace simpson now wallace simpson at this time is i think technically still married she's like in the process of divorcing her second husband right she had already divorced one so it's not looking good and if you recall from that episode 
the royal family cannot marry someone who is divorced who has living exes. Right. Like, if her ex-husbands had died, that might be different, but... Because then um, they could just consider her widowed. Exactly. Through the eyes of the church, they could consider her widowed, and therefore she would be able to remarry, but she was not widowed. She was a divorcee, which is different. And the reason that this is a rule is because the... The head of state, the sovereign, mm-hmm. is the head of the Church of England, mm-hmm. and that is against the beliefs of the Church of England, you know, at the time. Right. Um, Despite and, the fact of the entire fact of its founding, but that's besides what, the point. Yeah, whatever. Um, so it's like a bit, it's big drama. He can't mm-hmm. marry this woman, mm-hmm. uh, and it is all he wants to do. He it's, only, it's, the, I mean, the way that Edward is so one track minded, it's yeah. the only thing he can think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, was it stupid that that uh-huh. rule was in place? Yes. Was yeah. it also for the best? Yes. <laughs> you know, okay. It's stupid that the rule was in place. The rule, though, <laughs> caused this to happen. Yeah. And that was for the best. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yes. I think I knew that was what you were yeah. saying, but I'm trying to get it to that. So, like, yeah, the, the most succinct way to say it. It's Edward for the best that Edward the never throne. took the throne. Uh, and it sucks that this was the reason why, but it is better that it, he never got it. Yes. It's absolutely. better that he never got it. He 100%. was not fit for it. It would have been a real issue for everybody involved. Yeah. World War II would have looked so different. Oh my God. We talked anyway. more about it in Edward's Yeah, I can't, episode, we can't so get please. onto this tangent because I think about it all the yeah. time. Yeah. Okay, so Edward abdicates, and now your man Bertie is king of England. Mm-hmm. Because is, it happens by automatically. But by, by the way, like it happens automatically. Right. Like, we all saw what happened when Elizabeth died. Yeah. Charles is the king now. Yeah. He has not been, he has not had his, um, he hasn't been crowned yet. Right. But he is the king. Right. right. So it, immediately right. when Edward abdicates, Bertie mm-hmm. becomes king. Yeah, I was just gonna say this is um so much more fun for me um in general because these are the royals that I also know a, a like a decent bit about like mm-hmm. on my own outside of you mm-hmm. um the older ones so fun fascinating <laughs> history but I didn't know as much as you did these ones yeah. buck wild I love yeah. talking about it because they're crazy they it's are so fun they I are a reality it. show and they I love are it. and I live for it the crown Same. knows what they're doing I know right. <laughs> So the day before the abdication, Albert goes to visit his mother in London, um, the Queen Queen Mary, who, mm-hmm. by the way, at that point is the Queen Mother because right. she is Edward's mother as well. And right? she's still so alive. When, when Edward took the, the throne, she became the Queen Mother. Mm-hmm. And he writes in his diary of this visit, quote, when I told her what had happened, I broke down and sobbed like a child, which is really sad. Yeah. He is very, very reluctant to become king. He wasn't he supposed to. Yeah, he wasn't He wasn't prepared. To. And mm-hmm. he knows that compared to his brother, the public, you know, before, before Edward started to be, you know, scandal town, you know, UK, <laughs> he, um, he was seen as this very confident, you know, puts, he was prepared, he's right? He's got the swagger, you know, he's yeah, like he's the, yeah. friendly and he's like, you know, and even when he's in the midst of a scandal, people, some people there still, are still like him. There are supporters of him, yeah, because they totally. like his personality. But, uh, but Albert is shy and mm-hmm. he has, 
embarrassed himself more than mm-hmm. once because he doesn't speak well in public. Now mm-hmm. he is better at that now, but you know, you have to imagine that stays in your mind. Absolutely. Um, and I'm sure he's afraid that the stammer is going to get worse now because yep. of the stress. Yep. And well, and you know, he was living this life yeah. as the second child where he was never supposed to become king and he was able to raise his children exactly. with that in mind as well. I was just right? going to say that. wanted to have this more personal relationship yeah. and a more family-oriented relationship with his kids yeah. and now all of a sudden his kids at what, like 10 and 7 or however yeah. old they are yeah. now have to pivot into knowing that they are now next in line yeah. which sucks big time for yes. them. There is that sense of like loss, especially for Elizabeth. For all of them. Because now it's like. Family life. Yeah. I just mean, there's a sense of loss probably from him in regards to Elizabeth. Yeah. Specifically because it's like, well, now you have to be queen. Doesn't really matter what happens from this point on, unless Mm -hmm. you, unless I outlive you, you're going to be queen, Mm -hmm. right? Which is like a totally different thing. So, and they had a pretty good relationship too. So they did. They were very close. Both of them, yeah. And then you have to mourn the loss of the. We're going to talk more about it with Elizabeth, but I imagine as a father, you mourn the loss of the relationship between your daughters because. He knows what it's like to have an older sibling who is going to be king and, and what, what kind that of does general to resentment that gives you regardless yeah. of whether you want it to or not. And his daughters at that point are close. Yeah. They're very good friends. And turns out it does have a very negative effect on their relationship, which yeah. we're going to talk a lot more about when we get to her. Yeah. Okay, so... This, oh my god, this one is going to be so long because we just can't shut up. I know, sorry. <laughs> I didn't okay, I expect it. it to be that long. Me I was either. like, this is not going to be as long. We just have things but it's to gonna say. Be. Okay, so on the day of Edward's abdication, this is just interesting. Um, I'm going to butcher this word. I'm so sorry to all of Ireland. Um, the... <laughs> nope. <laughs> I think it's Orechas. Orechas? Orechas? I'm not sure. Um, but it's the Parliament of the Irish Free State. Oh, sure. Yeah. They remove all direct mention <laughs> of the monarch from the Irish Constitution. Oh, so not them. only is he throwing Britain into, uh, Edward is throwing Britain into like a con- uh, constitutional crisis, essentially. Mm-hmm. He He's doing it in, to all of them, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> Love that Ireland was like, actually, we're going to take this opportunity. Yep. 100%. And out. they did. And good for them. They did. Because I kind of day- thought Northern Ireland would do it. <laughs> well. When um, yeah, uh, Charles well, wrapped, wrapped around, but they did. You know what? They still have time. Yeah, that's true. Um, the next day, they passed the <clears throat> External Relations Act, which gives the monarch limited authority, strictly on advice of the government, to appoint diplomatic representatives for Ireland and to be involved in the making of foreign treaties. Um, <sighs> they may it the, these two acts make the Irish Free State a republic. Basically, without removing its links to what is then the Commonwealth. Well, then the Empire, soon to be the Commonwealth. Right. So, yeah, that's it's where the we start are of the end. It's the start just, of the end. Yeah, yeah, I just found that really interesting. Yeah, it was, that, very like, interesting. It was like that day. Love that for them. They were waiting. They were waiting for an opportunity. Yeah. Um, of course, like immediately, lots of rumors that Albert is not going to be able to be king because he's like not only kind of psychologically unfit they think but physically he's very sick a lot he's of the ill time. yeah 
But he does take the throne and he assumes the regal name of George VI. So I am going to call him George or George VI from now on mm-hmm. um, because he wants the continuity with his father mm-hmm. and he thinks it's going to restore some confidence in the monarchy, which I think to have kind the, of does. the familiar name and the, yeah. yeah. But uh, this is what I'm going to loop back to. Like, again, wasn't it so interesting that George V was also the second son who initially probably wasn't was really supposed to be, supposed to be on the throne. Yeah. Stuck with that name. I yep. think, I think a part of him it's very symbolic that on yeah. purpose for yep. that connection. You know? Yep. Um, so George, now George, formerly Albert, um, feels that because Edward abdicated, Edward has now lost the right to bear royal titles. Correct. Including royal highness. So Good. when they when he announces the abdication, he gives like an abdication address. He does refer to Edward as his royal highness at that mm-hmm. point because they hadn't really had this discussion yet but mm-hmm. he he strongly feels that he should not be called that mm-hmm. they have a little bit of a tiff about it but eventually they reach a compromise so george's first act as king is to give his brother the title duke of windsor mm-hmm. with the style royal highness that's kind of what he gave to him mm-hmm. but um the letters patent that creates that dukedom for him prevents any wife or children from bearing royal titles. So if he ever has kids, they cannot have a royal title. If he does marry Wallace Simpson, which we know he does, Mm -hmm. she cannot have a royal title. And this becomes a big thing, which, again, you can hear more about in the Edward episode. Right. Um, George is also forced to buy the royal residences of Balmoral Castle and Sandringham House from Edward because they're technically private properties and he doesn't inherit them. Oh, So he has to buy those back, which is really interesting because Balmoral is like a very big staple. Yeah. 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 I mean, the queen done died there. Yes, she sure did. She loved it there. Anyway. Crazy. So George VI is coronated at Westminster Abbey on May 12th, 1937. And this was the date that Edward was supposed to be coronated. (laughs) Drama! I mean, what were they going to do? They had a whole thing planned. He's the king now. Might as well. Just do it. Um, And in a break with tradition, the queen mother attends the ceremony in a show of support for her son. So she's basically saying, "Yep, yep, he did it. He's in charge now. Forget the other one. Yeah. This guy's on the throne. Yeah. Um, okay. So George the Sixth on the front on the throne. Really weird time. Because like we just said, it's nineteen thirty seven. So war is uh, a looking star- more and happening. more likely. It's, it, it's looking more and more likely. It's happening, basically. Yeah. We're so there the, now. The prime minister at the time that George takes the throne is Neville Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. And King George is like in support of him. Constitutionally, yeah. he has to support him, but also he kind of, you know, he likes Personally, the guy, right? Yeah. Um, and Neville Chamberlain's whole gig is that he is really trying to avoid war. So he goes through this whole process of basically trying to appease Hitler, right? Mm-hmm. He he's doing he's trying, but public the public is like real iffy on it. They're like, you should not be basically con- like negotiating with terrorists like that kind of vibe right um but you know the king has to support him and so he chamberlain goes to negotiate the munich agreement of 1938 which if we do a world war ii episode we can certainly talk more about that yeah um 
And after he goes to do that, they the royal couple invites him to appear on the balcony of Buckingham Palace with them. And this is a big deal because mm. balcony appearances are supposed to be just for the royal family. Yeah. Um, but he did it anyway because he's trying to show strong support for right. his prime minister. And say, like, if, if it's going to be war wartime, we want to show that we are with our government. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, in May and June of 1939, the king and queen tour Canada and the United States, and it's the first time that a reigning British monarch visits North America. Now, if you'll remember, he had been to Canada, right. but he wasn't the king then, so. That's interesting. It's not I didn't like know a that. royal visit. Yeah. Hmm. Um, they visited the 1939 New York World's Fair. Cool. Um. They stay with President Franklin D. Roosevelt at the White House and at his private estate at Hyde Park in New York. Mm -hmm. um, and they actually become, like, very good friends, which, of course, becomes a big Ends up uh, being factor. for the best. <laughs> yep, big factor in the upcoming war. Good timing to be friends with the President of the United States. Good <laughs> yeah. call, everybody. Good uh -huh, timing. 100%. So in September of 1939... We get the German invasion of Poland, which mm -hmm. breaks the Munich Agreement right. previously mentioned. Um, so Britain declares war on Nazi Germany. As they should have. And World War II kicks right off. Yep. And here it is. It's this happening. is the this is like the king's speech, right? Like this yeah. is the speech. Because TNTM. <laughs> he gets a lot of help from Lionel, um, and he successfully makes one of the most important speeches of his life and in British history. In probably. history, yeah. Not just um, British history. In history yes, period. Yeah, where mm -hmm. he announces to the citizens of Britain that the country is at war. Yeah. It's like very significant, right? Yeah. In term like personally significant. Yeah. Um, so he and his wife decide to stay in London, which is again, huge kind of controversial for like among the royals. They're yeah. like, are you serious? But they're, um, but I, I get it. They're saying, we're gonna talk you guys about have it. to stay here, we have to stay We're going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so they stay despite the fact that the Germans are now bombing them. They're mm -hmm. bombing the country. Um, they do like officially stay at Buckingham Palace, but they actually spend a lot of their nights at Windsor Castle. Mm -hmm. Um, after, so the first night of the Blitz of London is mm -hmm. September 7th, 1940. It kills about a thousand civilians, mostly in the East End. Mm -hmm. Then on September 13th, the king and queen j barely escape. Um, death basically because two German bombs explode in a courtyard at Buckingham Palace while they're there and the queen makes a statement and says I am glad we have been bombed it makes me feel like we can look the east end in the face absolutely yeah like I they you wouldn't have wanted anyone else on the throne during World War II probably not yeah. you wouldn't have like they had the exact right attitude yeah totally. I think of, and, and I think a royals. big part of that is that Again, like Albert or King mm -hmm. George spent a lot of time with working class families. And, and he knew the condition they were already in and then what they lost. Also right? was in and out of active duty during World War One. Like, yeah, even yeah. though he they wouldn't have put him in the same positions they would have put other people in, he still right. saw it in a way that, and you know, maybe he royals felt, before him didn't. 
maybe, and I'm just speculating here, but maybe he felt a little bit of guilt about the fact that he couldn't serve as much as he felt he should have in World War I and thought, you know, I'm really not going to hide, right? But he's also like the first royal to have been in an active duty situation and then been king in another very similar war to know Mm, really what it was like Mm -hmm. to understand that like, you know, we... We lived through this before. There's nothing to say that we can't again, and right. we're going to stand with the people who are actively living through it. Right. Like it, the the and on British top of that, like sensibility exists because of that. Like yeah, the current yeah. idea of the British sensibility Absolutely. exists because of and this. And on right top now. of that, you have to think also like look at what just happened in terms of in this moment in history with the Russian Revolution. Yeah. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but the royals wouldn't hit out. Yeah. And that is what caused the downfall, right? Yep. And Didn't I'm go sure well for them. he's related to them. He knows yeah. how bad it was. So, you know, that's just mm-hmm. another factor. Okay. So in 1940, Winston Churchill replaces Neville Chamberlain as prime minister. Yes, indeed. Um, King George would have preferred someone else. Actually, he wanted Lord Halifax to be uh, appointed, but that obviously didn't happen. Um, But despite the fact that he's kind of initially disappointed with Churchill, um, they do eventually become very close. They have a really strong relationship. They've got to. (laughs) Um, Every Tuesday. This is interesting. Every Tuesday for four and a half years from September 1940, they would meet privately for lunch and they would openly discuss the war mm-hmm. which wasn't really supposed to happen king's mm-hmm. supposed to be non-political but like this is war times right mm-hmm. um and he uh the king actually p- put a lot of what they talked about in his personal diaries so we have like a first-hand account of the conversations mm-hmm. which is really interesting yeah so they were very good friends um mm-hmm. in fact we'll get back to his death later obviously but churchill was very affected by king george's death yeah um churchill's such an interesting dude yeah we'll have to do an episode on him too. yeah so kind of going back to the king and queen in war times they do become a symbol of resilience they visit a lot of bombing sites and they also visit a lot of their troops abroad mm-hmm. which is like huge mm-hmm um, and again, I'm not going to talk too much about the war here. Like, we're skipping over a lot of the actual World War II stuff. I just kind of wanted to talk about, like... The general vibe. Yeah, where he was, how yeah. he acted, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of the attitude during the war. Um. In 1945, during the victory celebration at the end of the war, um, the king once again invites his prime minister, who is now Churchill, to appear with him on the bal- balcony of Buckingham Palace. Um, it's much less controversial this time. Yeah. Everyone's (laughs) like, we get it now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So now I want to touch on the empire a little bit. Oh yeah. So George the sixth reign really sees like the disillusionment of the British empire. Mm -hmm. Um, cause they're not quite the Commonwealth yet. Right. They're still the British Empire. empire. Yeah. Um, The Statute of Westminster in 1931 has kind of acknowledged the evolution of the dominions into some separate sovereign states. Okay. I'm just going to read this little quote here. The process of transformation from an empire to a voluntary association of independent states known as the Commonwealth gathered pace after the Second World War. Okay. So they all start to kind of switch over. They're kind of starting to 
some people are leaving and branching mm-hmm. off. The big important one, though, is in August of 1947, when British India becomes the two independent dominions of India and Pakistan. Wild. Um, uh, that that alone. That's that a whole other thing. Again, so interesting. I didn't put too much about it here because, yeah. again, that could be its own episode. Totally. But this is huge in terms of like the British perspective, right? Uh huh. Um. George, at this time, relinquishes his title of Emperor of India, which Queen Victoria had begun, right? Right. Um, And he becomes King of India and King of Pakistan instead. Mm -hmm. Um, That, again, doesn't last forever yeah. <laughs> um we'll kind of separate back to that oh my god we're hey, gonna if la- you want to back to that here in a second if you but. want a genuinely fascinating telling of that watch the doctor who episode the demons of punjab it's oh, fantastic yeah. they do it tells that, that story of that separation so well yeah um, in late April of 1949, the Commonwealth leaders issued the London Declaration, um, which basically lays the foundation for what is the modern Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Um, it recognizes the king as the head of the Commonwealth, but he's not like he's not an emperor anymore, right? right? He doesn't have like like distinct dominion over full all sovereignty of these lands. all the yeah. time, always, yeah. Um, and then in January of 1950, he ceases to become, he ceases to be the king of India when it becomes a republic. Um, he does remain king of Pakistan until his death, though. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I found this interesting. So in 1947, he and his family tour Southern Africa. Um, and at that time in South Africa, the prime minister of the union, uh, the Union of South Africa, um, Jan Smuts, I think is how you say that name. I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. Um, but he's up for, he's like dealing with an election and he basically wants to get some political clout from this visit. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they go to do like their visits and stuff, King George is asked, well, told by the South African government to only shake the hands of the white people. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what are you talking about? What's wrong with you? Yeah. And you know, when the king of England is like, you want me to do what? Excuse me? To the black folks in this country? Like, you know you're in a bad, you're on the wrong side, right? Well, and also, like, that publicly was not, not his opinion, you know? Yeah. He calls this, his South African bodyguards, the Gestapo, (laughs) which, like, fair enough. Uh Uh-huh. But ultimately, you know, that uh, prime minister loses the election and then, Racial segregation gets a lot worse um, in South Africa after yeah. that. Yeah, wow. I just found that an interesting. That he was like, "What? What is? What's wrong with you?" No. I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's the empire. Um, we're okay, so we're or coming no up. no longer the empire. <laughs> we're yeah, we're coming up on the the end of things now, right? Uh-huh. So, uh, George VI is a crazy heavy smoker through yeah. his whole life. He smokes like a freaking chimney, man. Um, and eventually he gets lung cancer. He has a lot of other issues too. But he was already sick to start, of, which he is not He was already right. sick to start, yeah. But the smoking causes a lot more illness. Uh-huh. Um, he's supposed to go to, he's supposed to do another tour of Australia in New Zealand um, in like 1949. Um, and he can't go because he has an arterial blockage in his right leg, which basically means he could lose the leg. Yeah. Um, and he does have to have a right lumbar sympathectomy oh, um, in March of 1949. 
Um, and then on September 23rd, 1951, very famously, he undergoes a surgery where his entire left lung is removed. Yeah. Um, like in, in Balmoral, right? Yeah. He's in the castle. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if he's in Balmoral or he might be in Buckingham. I can't remember. Um, but it's like in his residence, the surgeon yeah. comes and, um, he, cause he has a tumor in uh-huh. his lung and they, so they remove the whole lung. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like wild that he had one lung for the last yeah. of his life. So, okay, so this is September, right? So he has to rest for a long time after that. So at the state opening of Parliament in November, his speech from the throne is read for him by the mm. Lord Chancellor, Lord Simmons. And then his Christmas broadcast that year is recorded in sections and then edited together because mm. he can't speak for, that, for long. that long. He doesn't have the lung capacity anymore. Um, and by the way, he keeps smoking. He gets his lung removed and he keeps smoking. Yeah. Now he never stops. <laughs> just with the one lung that he has now. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Um, okay, and then on January 31st, 1952, despite the advice of, like, everybody, he decides he wants to go to the London airport to see off his daughter, Elizabeth, and her husband, Philip, um, for their tour to Australia and Kenya. This was, like, a pretty big tour for them. Mm-hmm. Um, And that ends up being King George's last public appearance Mm -hmm. because six days later on February 6th, 1952, King George VI is found dead in his bed at Sandringham House at 730 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And he had died in the night from a coronary thrombosis, which if you don't know, is basically like a blood clot inside of a blood vessel in Mm -hmm. his heart. Um, and he's 56 years old, so he's not that old. No, he's not. Um, but he was very sick. Mm-hmm. Sad. Um, yeah, very sad. Mm-hmm. From February 9th, George's coffin rests in St. Mary Magdalene Church, which, if you will recall, is like where he was born, mm-hmm. um, in Sandringham, before lying in state at Westminster Hall from February 11th. Um, his funeral takes place at St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle on the 15th. And he is interred initially in the royal vault, and then later he's taken to the King George VI Memorial Chapel inside St. George's on March 26, 1969. And that is where his wife now is, um, and also Margaret, Princess Margaret, when she passed, mm-hmm. and now Philip oh, and Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found this interesting. He was posthumously awarded the Order of Liberation by the French government in 1960. And he's wow. only one of two people to ever be awarded that after 1946. And the other person was Churchill in wow. 1958. Yeah, England did a lot of work in helping France after mm-hmm. they had been occupied. Wow, that mm-hmm. is really interesting. So that's George. I really like him as a monarch i find his life he's really very interesting he's different than a lot of the others yeah I and mean, he had to be because he, it, he was serving in like the biggest war in world history but seemed like the most a person of them all yeah that's fair i he think just that's seemed kind of like a guy who yeah. became king which is not ignorant what to a lot of things in yeah. the world because of yeah. his upbringing of course but and it, that's not what happened, but that is very much the vibe he gave out. Mm-hmm. Like, he just seemed like a person who was way more interested in his people than maybe a few had been before. Yeah. Yes, that is true. He was probably one of the first to really, like, 
have at least some understanding of the real struggle of working class people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, maybe he just learned from the mistakes of monarchs past to mm-hmm. where he saw his country suffering and said, well, I can't do what they did. It didn't yeah. end well. And maybe, yeah. maybe that's what it is. He's the first one to say, I can't do what everybody before me and, did because it didn't go well. Maybe the level of separation of not thinking he was going to take the throne yeah. allowed that to happen. And honestly, maybe a little bit of like wanting to stick it to his brother a little bit. Yeah. Like, I will do better than you would have ever done. And he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Wow. I like George. He was he was fun to learn about. Yeah, he's really interesting. So I know this has already been kind of a long one, but uh, history is great, but today is good too. What's your favorite thing about modern times? Welcome to Modern Times. It's a segment of the podcast where we talk about things that we like about the here and now. As if you haven't heard us um, just overjoyedly ranting about <laughs> fascinating things enough this episode, because my God, would we not shut up Let's today, do which is great. Let's do it a little bit more. Yeah. Do you yeah. want to go first or would you um, like me to go first? Sure, I'll go. Okay. Uh, Anna dropped this on me like right before we started recording, so I didn't have a lot of time to think, but that's okay because yesterday I went to an aquarium, Mm. and so aquariums are what I'm going to bring for modern times. I love an aquarium. I love an aquarium. You love an aquarium. aquarium. Uh, My partner loves an aquarium. We went to an aquarium for their birthday, so like that was a great time. yeah, I just think they're cool. I like looking at the fish. I like learning about all the weird stuff that exists mm-hmm. in the ocean. Um, I love the conservation efforts involved in most aquariums. Now, like, I know a lot of people are very testy about zoos and aquariums, and rightfully so. But 100%. by and large, anymore, most of the zoos that we have are ones that exist for conservation efforts. Um, there are a lot of the very reputable are, are, organizations. Yeah, like our our personal zoo that we frequent is the Pittsburgh Zoo, um, an sure. aquarium, and that's where we were. Um, and that's they they do fantastic conservation work. Um, yeah, they do. I really like that that organization. Um, and so it's so fun to learn about all the stuff they do for the animals there. We were there a couple weeks ago and they don't have any more sea turtles because they have rehabilitated all of the sea Yay. turtles that they had. They had like six and they That's are all... That's like, re- I think, the, the first, first time, time in, years. in all of my time going to the Pittsburgh yeah. Zoo, which is like a lot of my life. I mean, it's not like we go there frequently, but like I've gone... I went when I was yeah. a kid too. I think that's the first time I've ever seen, like heard that they didn't have any turtles. Yeah. Which is amazing. Um, yeah. it's They're great. I love them. It was so fun. We went to a wine that's tasting really good. at the aquarium and we got to look at the fish and taste wine and it was that's a blast. So, cool. so cool. My, my thing was aquariums. I love that. Um, my, <laughs> it's going to seem really stupid now. Okay. okay. Not a sponsor, Trader Joe's. Stuffing yes. flavored kettle chips. Yes. You guys, yes. if you've never had these chips, okay. They're like, okay. In my mind, Amazing. they are the perfect chip. I agree. For several reasons. Okay. First of all. I am a girly who loves the taste of Thanksgiving stuffing. Sorry, if you're not like a person who celebrates like American Thanksgiving, you don't know what this is. Uh, sorry. Stuffing is basically like some people call it stuffing, some people call it dressing because there's like a debate like if you don't actually stuff it in the turkey, turkey, they don't call it stuff. Anyway, it's basically mm-hmm. like 
chopped up bread. It's like croutons mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with a bunch of vegetables and like you usually cook it in like the drippings or sometimes inside your turkey. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like a delicious, well seasoned, packed with flavor. It's and almost like a salad. It's weird. Yeah. I'm a girly who loves the flavor of stuff. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. But I don't put it on my plate at Thanksgiving because I don't like the texture of stuffing. I'm weird about bread texture, you guys. Mm-hmm. And... These chips, when I tell you I have never tasted anything that so precisely emulates the taste it is going for, yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. And but but here's the other thing, even if you didn't know what this tasted like, you would eat these chips and you'd go, these are some of the best yeah. chips I've ever tasted because they're just so, they're so flavorful. Good. They're so good. I have two bags sitting on my table right now because I went and I bought some yesterday. I've already broken into the first one. I have to stop myself because I'm going to eat all of them. Uh-huh. They're so delicious i wish they weren't seasonal because i get it they're like a thanksgiving thing but i mm-hmm. want to eat them all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> they're so good they're Yum. the perfect chip love it and they're kettle cooked which is like delicious amazing that's mine <laughs> that's great i love stuffing chips i'm into it oh they're so good yeah trader joe's please <laughs> sponsor this podcast so i can get more we're desperate <laughs> I'm drinking your drink. I'm talking about your chips. I'm plugging all your products, baby. Hit us up. Hit us up. Uh, okay. Well, thank you for for contributing to that Modern Times last mm-hmm. minute. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really fun. Um, next episode, you guys, 100. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Me either. Um, so I don't think we're going to talk really much about what we have planned. I think we'll just, uh, bring it it. on you guys when time comes, but next one will be our hundredth. It's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we'll be into the holidays. Yeah. So I do think we're kind of, I I, I mentioned an idea idea. to you, but now I can't remember what it was. I got it. Um, okay. But if there are any suggestions for stuff you might want to see over the holidays, please let us know. Um, we would love to to know or if there's something that like last time we did i think a new year special if you yes. guys would be interested in something like that again let us know um you can email us at remember that pod at gmail.com um you can also find us on twitter at rtt pod as well as on facebook if you just search the name of the podcast and you guys okay i had a little bit of a panic this week mm-hmm. and i was like uh-oh Twitter might be going down in flames. Okay, so I'm just going to be safe. And I set up an Instagram for mm-hmm. the podcast. As of the date of this recording, there is nothing on it, but there should be hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Twitter does go down in flames, we'll still be posting about the podcast over there. It's RTT pod on Instagram mm-hmm. as well. So if you would give us a follow there, especially if you're following us on Twitter, please make sure to go and follow the Instagram. Um, yeah. We would really appreciate it. And if we can get a little bit of a following there, just so we can um, make Have it a like safety a, net. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And make sure that like all the people who get their information from Twitter, can come and get it um, from us as well Yeah, um, on Instagram. Um, and we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. We are now on Spotify. Woo! If you didn't catch the news on our Twitter, <laughs> um, we are now on Spotify. So if you have been wanting to listen there, but you haven't been able to yet, you can now go follow us on Spotify. Um, and we would, yeah, we would just love it if you'd leave us a rating and review wherever you, you like to listen to it. Um, and if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. 
Whoa, that was like more than the usual talking. Yeah, we had a lot of things. You had I'm a really lot of things tired. To go through there. Oh my gosh, I need a nap. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was fun. Yeah. And you guys, until our hundredth episode next time. Remember that time. Mm-hmm.